back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Hassan, a cults and undue influence expert and mental health professional who's been working in the field of relationship, group, and political cults for over 40 years. He is the founding director of the Freedom of Mind Resource Center and has published an array of papers, articles, and books on the subject of cults and undue influence, including his most recent book, The Cult of Trump. Dr. Hassan, Steve, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's an honor. Thanks, Reed. So when you and I spoke, you explained to me your own personal story with a cult, the Moonies, and how you went from someone who was an otherwise normal individual to one who was standing on the Capitol steps willing to do just about anything that these people told you. So talk to us about that, because I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding about who can be recruited, how it happens, and what that's really like. Sure. So first, I'll start out by saying I grew up in Flushing, Queens, New York, 1.3 miles from Donald Trump, in fact. And I was recruited through a front group at Queens College in February of 1974, right after my girlfriend dumped me by three smiling women flirting with me who were pretending to be students. And what I've come to learn after my two and a half years in the Moonies and a radical personality change and 45 years of helping other people get out of all types of undue influence and mind control cults is that people get deceptively recruited versus join knowingly what they're getting involved with. And like pimps and traffickers will groom a potential victim by being nice to them, finding out all about them, and incrementally indoctrinating them till they're prime and ready to go. I had no idea what was going to happen to me, and I was raised in a conservative Jewish family, and I came to believe that the Holocaust was necessary because the Jews didn't accept Jesus, that Korea was God's chosen nation on earth, and that Jesus had failed his mission, democracy was satanic, that we had to infiltrate congresspeople and senators' offices, and I actually was ordered to fast for Richard Nixon on the Capitol steps during Watergate, because God wanted Nixon to be president. So I experienced this radical personality change myself. I was told to throw out my poetry. I was a creative writing major in college. I turned my back on my family, my friends, dropped out of college, and I became a fanatic. And it was only due to a near-fatal van crash due to sleep exhaustion and then deprogramming, which lasted five days, when I started thinking again for myself at which point I was horrified at what had happened to me. So talk to me about that separation between A, who you were beforehand, who you became, and then how the cult goes about separating you from those you knew, those you loved, those you depended on, because it seems to me that becomes sort of a reinforcing mechanism for the cult that you have no one left. Exactly. So... Undue influence is the unethical side of due influence or informed consent. And essentially, if you can control someone's behavior, which is the B of my bite model of authoritarian control, if you can control their behavior, their information, their thoughts, and their feelings, and 
indoctrinate them into a new identity that is then dependent and obedient on the leader or the group or the ideology. That is the best description of what mind control cults do to people. So, for example, Stephen Hassan, son of Milton and Estelle Hassan, who is a creative writing major, became Stephen Hassan, son of Sun Myung Moon and Hak Jahan, the true parents of the universe. And Milton and Estelle were only my physical parents, but they were satanic because they weren't part of the cult. So if you can sleep-deprive people, isolate them, overload them, use hypnosis, use behavior modification techniques over time, people do have questions, people do try to rebel, but then the issue is how much manipulation and control is able to be exerted on a person. In my case, I was lured to a three-day workshop in Tarrytown. I had no idea it was three days. I had no idea that it was connected in any way to a church, the Unification Church. And I didn't bring my own car. This was way before cell phones. And it was an issue of no one ever explained to me how destructive cults operate or how to do independent investigation before you agree to share any personal data. And of course, now we're talking in 2021 where people can find out all kinds of intimate details about you without your permission through data mining brokers on the dark web or even on the regular web. And most recruitment is now being done online. I just found out on May 8th that my former cult had a three-hour virtual conference, and Mike Pence was there speaking, Pompeo was there, Newt Gingrich was there. And so they're still very active. They still are connected to the Washington Times, and they have an agenda to uh, undermine democracy in the United States and around the world. So, Doctor, before we get to our current political state, I want to spend a couple more minutes on you. So you're in this van crash. Mm -hmm. Were you driving? Yes. Okay, so you were driving, exhausted, go off the road or whatever. No, I woke up as I was driving to the back of a tractor trailer truck at 80 miles an hour. Okay, so you're lucky to be alive as it is. Exactly. Okay, and so you wake up, and is it a revelation, like, holy you know what, what have I been up to? Or what was the inflection point in which you sort of snapped back to, I'm going to call it reality? Yeah, so the deprogramming itself was incremental in its effectiveness. One of the big things was meeting former Moonies who were happy and fulfilled and glad they were out, that I was indoctrinated to believe that if anyone betrayed the Messiah, they would be possessed by demons, a la Exorcist movie. So meeting those folks, one of whom I had recruited into the cult, was very powerful. Learning about Chinese communist brainwashing techniques, Robert J. Lifton's work that was published in 1961, and his eight criteria, it was undeniable that the moon family did all eight of these. So that created a point of some confusion in my mind because I thought we were God and Chinese communism was Satan, but we were still using the same Chinese communist brainwashing criteria. Then the next to the last day, they were making parallels between Moon and Hitler. 
And I said something like, I don't care if Moon is like Hitler. I've chosen to follow him and I'll follow him to the end. And I believed it, but it was still shocking that I had that reaction. But the thing that woke me up was on the last day and the agreement with my father and mother was that I would give five days to hear the other side. And if I wanted to go back to the group, I would. And they would be able to sleep at night knowing they did the responsible thing. I didn't agree to do it because I wanted to leave or I had any doubts, but I just wanted to show my family I wasn't brainwashed and I wasn't in a cult. The thing that opened my mind was being given one of Moon's printed speeches, and they handed it to me and they asked me what I thought of it. And I was reading this printed document where Moon was talking to senators and congressmen about this controversy that he could be accused of brainwashing American youth. And he is surprised at such accusations, and he respects Americans very much. And he could never, you know, brainwash Americans. And my reaction was, what a liar because I had heard him personally over a hundred times talk about how stupid Americans were, how Koreans were the master race, how our brains were dirty and needed to be brainwashed. But just that act of consciously saying he's a liar created this cascade effect in my mind where I thought, if he's a liar, that means he's not trustworthy. If he's a liar, that means he couldn't be a man of God because the divine principle, which was the teachings of the cult, said that we believed in a God of truth. So just those critical thoughts, and it felt like a house of cards was collapsing in my mind. Plop, 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 plop. Because if you take out the belief that Moon was the greatest spiritual being in human history, sinless, and was going to create the Garden of Eden on Earth. The whole thing was based on that supposition. And it felt like I was falling off a skyscraper, frankly. Like, I was so confused. I felt like the inertia of that doubt was like plummeting me to my death, although I never landed in my mind at that point. I just started crying. Did they ever try and get you back? Yeah, apparently they did. I was considered to be a top leader, a model member, and they did not apparently believe that I could have ever left the group consciously and willingly. So they tried to apparently come and grab me and put me in a van and rescue me from my evil family, evil with quotes, family. And it wasn't until I went public, then I started getting threats, including death threats. And then I knew I was doing the right thing to speak out. On this show, Doctor, we often say that, as we bring it forward now, that 2016, if anything, was a failure of imagination. Certainly, as I think I might have mentioned to you, my confirmation bias never believes that he could have won. And therefore, every piece of evidence we had, we processed through that prism. And so when I listen to you, it's a combination of needing imagination and needing to suspend disbelief, because now we have a situation where we have a leader where you wrote a whole book about the cult of Trump. And so let me start from the biggest number and work it down to the smallest numbers. In 2020, last November, 75 million Americans voted for Trump. Are all of them cult members? The answer is, I don't know. 
However, if at this point, anyone who believes that Trump won the election by a landslide and believes that Russia had nothing to do with Trump and his administration and his election, I would say is in the cult of Trump. You know, that's an interesting thing because what we're seeing now is these surveys now say 50, 60, 70 percent of Republicans say that the election last year was illegitimate, was fraudulent, that millions of black votes appeared out of nowhere in the dark of night in Philadelphia and Michigan and Georgia and elsewhere. And so you talk about in the cult of Trump that it's a cult of cults. So talk to me about if you can take us through sort of the progression of this. Is there one at the top and it's an umbrella or how does it work in your mind? So the cult that I was in, it turns out I was approached by a House subcommittee investigation into Korean CIA activities in the United States. And I turned over all of my internal documents of the cult. And after Jonestown happened and Leo Ryan's assassination, I actually read the entire 11 volumes of that investigation. And I learned that the founder of the Korean CIA under oath said that he organized and utilized the Unification Church for use as a political tool, unquote. And what I came to understand is that in the Cold War period after the Korean War, the South Korean government had two coups. And North Korea, of course, was brainwashing everybody, as they still do. And somebody in our intelligence field said, let's set up the Korean CIA and let's organize a re-education program and use the Moonies as a proxy group there. And it was only later that the Moonies were brought to the United States to promote this strong anti-communist indoctrination alternative and such. So what I come to learn in my research for the book is that there was a cult group called The Family that Jeffrey Charlotte wrote two best-selling books on, and there's a Netflix series on this cult. And it was a group that was recruiting Republicans and Democrats to fight communism, but it was basically an authoritarian cult, and that Mike Pence, in fact, had been recruited into this cult by Chuck Colson, former Watergate plumber. And so there's this many decades long lineage that goes from my group to the cult of Trump to this day. I also talk about Putin as a cult leader that I feel had influence over Trump and his administration and policies. I talk about Opus Dei, which is a Catholic right-wing secretive cult. I talk about new apostolic reformation churches and groups. These are people who claim to be prophets or apostles who get direct revelations from God and cast out demons and do faith healings. And they use the bite model of behavior, information, thought, and emotional control mechanisms to make people over into dependent and obedient followers. And there are millions of Americans in this set of groups an estimated 300 million worldwide in these groups. Then we have the neo-Nazis. There's a whole group of other authoritarian cults. The Falun Gong that do the Epoch Times is another cult group. So the idea is that people are in their cult and they're following their leader, and their leader is the one saying we need to support Trump, just like Moon was saying we need to support Nixon back in the day. 
And the lying, the mechanisms of manipulation, the phobia indoctrination, the black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil mentality. And what is particularly powerful is the infiltration of our media. I wrote about in my book how, for example, Alex Jones took over a thousand stories, propaganda stories from RT, amped them up, that got picked up by Breitbart, that got picked up by Fox, and then it got reported by all the other media outlets saying how crazy it was, but they were still promulgating out into the airwaves and into people's consciousness the agenda and such. And right now, in order to help people to reality test, it's extremely difficult, especially because of the pandemic and such. People have been isolated and more online, not less. And the easiest way to help people to reevaluate what they're believing right now is you want to separate them from the flow of indoctrination. And with mobile phones, it's almost impossible unless you can ask someone to turn it off for a week or two. And if they can get away from that constant reinforcement, and if family members and friends are properly coached, they can actually begin to engage in a process of empowering people to start thinking again for themselves. So I want to ask three questions that are all related but are distinct. The first is, Donald Trump is many things. He's always had a knack for self-aggrandizement and keeping himself in the middle of the story all the way through the presidency. And he's always had an instinctual understanding of what his people or his base are looking for. But as far as a cult leader, this is not a man who is a great tactician or a great strategist from a political perspective. So I guess my question is, is that unusual? Do you have to have the embodiment of a leader who is the literal embodiment of it, who may sort of give broad outlines as to what they want, or maybe even not. Maybe he's just about power. So how does someone with so little ability to sort of think through this stuff tactically or specifically keep such a hold on not only so many Americans, but one entire political party? Yeah, that's a great question. So let me start by saying that in chapter two of The Cult of Trump, I talked about his childhood, his authoritarian father, his being raised in Norman Vincent Peale's church of positive thinking, where if you believe 100%, then you're going to be blessed and God is going to work. And if you have doubts, then that's evil. So he was trained to do thought stopping as a child, and he was indoctrinated by his father as well as his brother who passed away. You are a killer. You are a king. You are a killer. You are a king. So he grew up with a not secure attachment. He has what is defined as malignant narcissism, which is the stereotypical profile of cult leaders, not only the narcissistic part, including the lack of empathy, but the believing he's above the law, the pathological lying, the sadism, the paranoia, and the other attributes. And I actually compare him in chapter three with Jim Jones and my former cult leader, Sun Myung Moon, and Hubbard of Scientology. So he was already groomed and was operating in his business as a cult of personality, certainly his businesses. He was doing multi-level marketing cult stuff before the presidency. I recently did an interview with Craig Unger and Yuri Schwetz, book American Compromot, that 
talks about Russia, Soviet Union, having recruited Donald Trump a long time ago and Kompromat developed. So there's this whole other aspect for me of who is controlling Trump in the first place, who is influencing him. And basically, he's not an educated man, absolutely not, but he's very easy to manipulate because people with this insecurity within themselves will respond to anything where people are praising and glorifying or he sees that he can make money or have more power. So he's very easy to manipulate. I'd say this, doctor, that we saw the opposite of that last year, which is we knew exactly where he would be, exactly what he'd be doing, and exactly the kinds of things that we knew would drive him to distraction and to react. And that was the basis of our audience of one strategy just the flip side of the grandiosity that you're talking about. And I need to thank you and the Lincoln Project profoundly. I was like, yes, go, 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 more, more, more. So the thing with all cult leaders is they can never get enough, and they're always the seed of their own destruction, their own words, their own behavior. And ultimately, when you're in a mind control cult, if you're in long enough, you realize that there's no loyalty to you, only to the big leader, and you'll be kicked out or threatened or harassed if you whistleblow or try to do anything. Which we've seen in the last couple of weeks with, obviously, Liz Cheney being ousted from her position within the Republican conference. And then there was a story last week in Politico that there were several staff members of the National Republican Congressional Committee who were fired separated from that organization because I guess they just weren't loyal enough. You know, the thesis of the cult of Trump is getting validated more and more with every passing day. And the key thing is not to focus on the word cult, but just realize this is authoritarianism that wants to undermine our democracy, our rule of law, and any semblance of our freedoms being carried forward in a collaborative aspirational way. And we are literally fighting a coup that is attempting to be launched against our country. So if he's sitting in the bridal suite of Mar-a-Lago or whatever room he sits in in Bedminster in New Jersey this summer, is he actively plotting or is it basically he rails about something, he's upset with that person, he's upset with that person, I love this guy, I love this gal, and then the people around him make things happen? I mean, I just want to understand how it works from his perspective. I think he has handlers, whether it's people who want to promote that global climate change is a hoax because they have fossil fuels, or libertarians that want to undermine our government and its legitimacy, or secessionists or white supremacists. There are a lot of fellow travelers in the cult of Trump that are trying to use it for their own betterment. But, you know, it really comes back to what do we want for our country and do we value our freedom and do we really want to support our Constitution? My answer is yes, we do. But we need to understand there's a war being waged, very organized by very powerful wealthy, resourceful agents, state actors, as well as private billionaires with their own agendas. And I'm not seeing a war strategy to counter it. Maybe it's happening somewhere, but I'm not seeing it. All right. So I want to get to that. So 
over a year ago, last probably early February, pre-COVID, I was in Manchester, New Hampshire for the New Hampshire primaries. And Donald Trump was having a, a rally there. And so I took a camera crew and we spent about two hours talking to folks in line. And what I was struck by, doctor, was that whether or not they were older folks, middle-aged, teenage kids, whoever they were, when you asked them why they were there and why they supported Donald Trump, it was like they were reading off the same piece of paper. I mean, it was almost word for word as if somebody had put a bullet pointed list on the big screen across the street from the arena. And so what we have realized, and this is what we explained to a lot of folks we did so last week when we actually got to see some people in person, is that you have to look at where we are vis-a-vis -vis both Trump and the Republican Party as a holistic ecosystem. There's obviously Trump and the things he does. There's the financiers that you talked about. There are the, you know, the folks on Facebook or wherever it is right, that push the stuff around. And then there's the Fox News, the ONNs, the Alex Jones. And, and what I say, and I, I want to get your theory on this, is that the flywheel of this stuff can spin clockwise or counterclockwise. And what I mean by that is that as they're pushing this stuff, let's say that Tucker Carlson comes up with something and it generates a lot of fire with the rank and file, then it spins clockwise. Or let's say that something pops up and catches fire on Facebook and then it filters up to a Tucker Carlson, then it spins counterclockwise, but it doesn't really matter. You know, I have family. Fox is on all day in the house. When they're not listening to Fox in the house, you know, before Rush died, it was Rush in the car. Now it's whatever analog there is for Rush. And so of their waking hours where they're attached to media, it is some piece of this that keeps them there. And I had a gentleman on the podcast a couple of weeks ago who posited that there's the constant repetition, which is probably a piece of it, but also that to keep that dopamine rush, if it's anger, indignation, that you have to sort of up the ante time and time again. So is that something you see in your experience? Is that something that you've written about that you've seen as well? Yeah. So what people need to understand is that if you think you're invulnerable to undue influence or mind control, then you're really vulnerable. The myth that only weak, stupid people with psychological problems can be deceived and indoctrinated is just patently false. So the constant reinforcement of this narrative of we have the truth or we are following God and the evil demons who eat babies and are traffickers and the whole projection of all the bad things on the other, it's very powerful and it's sidestep critical judgmental thinking. But there are techniques that I've identified and written four books about on how to help people start reality testing, but it requires a shift in the way we understand how the mind works, and it requires patience also, because as somebody is continually getting more indoctrination or at least reinforcement of their indoctrination, you need quality of interactions to build up rapport and trust again. Now that people are getting vaccinated and have an opportunity to actually be with people, it's gonna make things much, much better. But I think empowering former Trump believers and amplifying their messaging and developing a strategic approach to dismantle the mechanisms of mass indoctrination is what is needed. And way back when with Father Coughlin, he needed to be deplatformed from his radio. 
period. And right now we are in a digital realm that's a new thing for human consciousness. And we have supercomputers that are using our deep data points for each one of us, knowing what our hot points are, to manipulate. And unless we can step back and understand we're experiencing psychological warfare against the American public, unless we can understand what a destructive cult is and the attributes of control, and understand that if you go back in time to someone before they ever heard of Trump or before they voted in 2016, and then walk them step by step on how they came to believe in him and show other cults like Chinese communist brainwashing or traffickers and pimps and how they recruit and indoctrinate people or Nexium or any number of other of these cult uh, documentaries and stories, then you can kind of back your way by asking respectful, thoughtful questions. Because ultimately, nobody wants to believe that they've been duped. But if they hear other people's stories who are saying, you know what, I thought I was doing the right thing, and then I woke up and I feel so embarrassed about it, it opens a little crack in the possibility that change is possible. And the reality is, is there are millions of Americans who are ex-members of authoritarian cults. And we want to destigmatize that, and we want to do education preventive education. We want to develop strategies for intervening with true believers and recovery programs. But speaking as a mental health professional, most mental health professionals are not trained in dissociative disorders. They're not trained on how to talk to somebody in a mind control call. So let's talk about where we go from here. You talked about a need for a strategy. So in your mind, what does the strategy look like to start to push back on the cult of personality, the actual cult of Trump that has metastasized and is metastasizing within the Republican Party and now basically owns one of the two major parties in the country. So my frame, my life work is educating everyone about human rights and how minds can be hacked and people can be taken over and turned into authoritarians. So for me, the solution is educating everybody from the bottom up and from the top down. I would like to see hearings, public hearings, about what we know about social psychology, what we know about hypnosis, what we know about destructive authoritarian cults, where everybody can understand in basic ways what the mechanisms are including controlling information, including indoctrination of phobias or thought stopping and the techniques. I think we need to do a lot of training of mental health professionals, law enforcement, media. The media still doesn't understand how mind control cults operate, and they're allergic to using the term cult. Other than calling it a cult of personality, they're nervous to use the term. And frankly, I've been surprised that after Biden's inauguration, that my work hasn't been more highlighted to the American public. I'd like to see intelligence officials tell the public, yes, it is possible to deceptively recruit and indoctrinate people to accept an entire new belief system and identity. 
and just lay it out that this is not a hypothetical, that the technology exists now to do this. I think that we need to have epidemiological research done. I think that we need to organize a task force of some of our brightest social psychologists and cult experts and to outline a one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year plan for how we're going to turn this around, because this is not going to be a three-month fix or a six-month fix. You know, honestly, if the Republican Party under the cult of Trump wins in 2022 and 2024, we're in grave danger. Listen, we certainly agree with that and certainly are doing all we can, both politically and otherwise, to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, you know, Doctor, I hope that we can have further discussions both on these airwaves and and offline about this. But tell me a little bit about your work with the Freedom of Mind Resource Center. It sounds like some of the things you were just discussing, but specifically what resources are available and how can folks find you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So my website is freedomofmind.com and I have a nonprofit, freedomfromunduinfluence.org, which is for my scholarly research. I would like the funding to do uh, neuroscientific research on hypnosis and some of the QAnon and other videos that have been used on American public. So essentially, I've written books. I have a course on Udemy for three and a half hours. I have a ton of blogs and YouTubes, but it's really going to take a massive effort, coordinated effort, kind of, you know, a version of the Manhattan Project, but it won't be secret because I'm announcing it on your podcast, which so many (laughs) people listen to. No, we need to not be reactive. We need to be proactive. And it starts with a correct diagnosis of what the problem is. And the problems have been metastasizing for decades. A challenge of separation of church and state is in grave danger. I don't believe that we should just grant tax exemption status to anyone who says, well, God spoke to me, and therefore I should have an exemption to be able to lie to people and take them over and use them as slave labor. So I'm hoping the trafficking laws, and that was the subject of my doctoral dissertation, had to do with the legal system and analyzing not only a framework, the social influence model, a framework for judges and juries to understand undue influence, but to have an actual way to describe concretely the predator or the influencer, the influencee and their unique vulnerability and the techniques and consequences of the undue influence. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's so many bright people, there's so many resourceful people, but we have to get past the confusion of, can you believe it, Donald Trump is doing it again? Or can you believe it, the Republican Party? We're in a war and there's a coup, a slow moving coup or a fast moving coup now, and we need to organize seriously to win. You know, the good news is, is that we are on the side of right. And as our namesake, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, right makes might. And we can only hope that that holds true here in the next 18 months and, you know, on down in the future. Well, doctor, thank you so much. Where can we find you online on Twitter, Facebook? What's the best way to find you? Cult expert on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. But It's going to take a lot of us working in a coordinated way, and love is stronger than mind control, and we need to focus on our values 
And I can tell you, like my friend Arno, who is a neo-Nazi recruiter, he was helped by people being nice to him and feeding him, not by calling him names and saying he's stupid. All the families who have loved ones who are in the cult of Trump, you need to start reaching out to them in a loving way. Don't talk politics. Summon positive memories of times past and good times and get them talking and asking gentle, respectful questions. I recommend a frame of, hey, I just want to know what's true. And if what you believe is true and I've been brainwashed, please educate me. And if they send you 50 links, you say, send me one and then let's discuss it together. Then I'll send you one and let's discuss it together. And we'll find out what is ultimately real and true and factual. Well, and listen, as we talk about, Dr. Politics is a game of small numbers. Ultimately, when it comes down to elections, 40,000 votes in another direction in a few counties or states, Donald Trump's still sitting in the White House. But I think that, you know, if we have folks out there tens of thousands of you. If you know someone like that, follow Dr. Hassan's advice. You know, get out there and do that. That one person you have that conversation with, maybe you can pull back from the brink, could lead to five, ten, a hundred, a thousand. And, you know, if those are folks who see the light of day, see that they should be for democracy and not for authoritarianism, might make all the difference in the world. So you can find me, everyone, on Twitter at Reed Galen. Dr. Hassan, thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter at Project Lincoln, and for more information on our efforts to join our mailing list and subscribe to our newsletter, visit lincolnproject.us. Also, be sure to check out our LPTV lineup, including The Breakdown with Tara Setmayer and Rick Wilson, which airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, as well as We're Speaking with Lisa Senecal and Maya May, which airs Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. All shows you can stream live on The Lincoln Project's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. See you on the next episode.